number here, 913-586-7798. ABC News had uh, a very in-depth story looking at one of the implications of more and more states legalizing gambling, and that is that teens who shouldn't be allowed to gamble and who legally can't are gambling anyway and are developing gambling addictions. And there's some really powerful statements from parents and teenagers made in this story. Well, yeah, and it all goes to exactly what you would think. The fact that it's designed for people who are 20 years of age, I'm sorry, 21 years of age or older. But if you're on the other end of a smartphone, how's the phone going to know who you are? Right. That's the problem. And, and I'll be honest, I, despite it being legal here, I haven't done it. And so if you have gotten into those apps more, tell us what, if there are any um, safety protocols in place so that teens can't. But yep. it's it's happening. And actually, where you are, it isn't yet. <laughs> but right. uh, but yeah, on the on the Kansas side, uh, and and I have I've I've used a particular app. I don't gamble much. I think three or four times last year, I, I placed a bet on a football game, um, and it's very easy to use. And that's that's really part of the problem. Even if there's an initial. Uh, as, as there is, there's an initial age verification. You have to prove who you are and all of that. That doesn't necessarily stop somebody else, maybe a kid who's in your home, from using mom or dad's smartphone to do the same thing, to, to be able to place the bets. If they figure out what your password is or you give them your password. I mean, let's face it. Some parents are going to be a little looser about that kind of thing than others. So if they say, okay, well, you know, I'll let you do this. Here's, you know, you got $500 from working over the summer. I'll open up the app for you, and then you just go to it. That's a really, really dangerous thing to do, especially with somebody who's a teenager, but it can clearly happen. So I want to quote a couple things in this story uh, because I think they're important to talk about. So they talked to um, a son and his dad who is talking about gambling addiction. The son is. And so Steve is the son, the dad is referred to as Martin and said activities like fantasy football led to the normalization of gambling in their home. And dad said, in retrospect, I wouldn't have normalized it even to the level that we did, which again, for a lot of people might've been okay, but in this case it wasn't. And I think it's interesting that that's where it started in a lot of places was fantasy football or like the football pools that a lot of us did um stuff that i even did with my dad but that kids saw that as being okay and then and then other kinds of other kinds of gambling became okay too well yeah and i mean i, I think we have to be a little bit careful here because those things are okay um, right. as long as it's legal where you are you know doing a super bowl the squares thing and all of that for the final score and the score after every quarter i mean that that kind of thing goes on everywhere and you know okay or not okay depends on the user um now i'm not going to say so we should open it up to 15 year old kids everywhere no 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 uh clearly by the time you're 21 you're supposed to have some kind of uh control over yourself although not everybody does uh, and you're supposed to at least be responsible for yourself. That's the kind of thing we don't expect out of 14, 15, 16-year-olds. So for them to see it is one thing. It's, I mean, you could make the same case with drinking. For them to see it and see mom and dad have a glass of wine with dinner is one thing, as long as they're not participating in that until they reach the age. But in this case, they're finding too many ways around it. So they talked to, uh, this, again, this is ABC News, talked to Dr. Timothy Fong, who is a clinical professor of psychiatry and has some expertise in, um, in these gambling addictions for kids. And they said, one of the things he said was, he is seeing patients as young as 15, 16, and 17 
with gambling disorders, something he had not seen before widespread legalization. It makes sense. That's access that they didn't have before. Yep. If you are a parent of a teenager, and this is something you have to think about in your household that maybe you didn't before, 913-586-7798. I realize that um, this idea of addiction is kind of a touchy subject and that people have strong feelings about a behavior that you can choose being an addiction or not. And and if if we need to take the word addiction out of it, fine. Yeah. Call it a problem, you know, where it's it's something where because that's what they're calling it's it. It's a compulsion. Yeah, they, they're yeah. using the term gambling addiction, but it's not. It, you're you make a good point. It's not technically an addiction. It's a compulsion. But that doesn't mean that compulsion isn't very very strong and can't alter right. behavior. It absolutely one hundred percent can. Yeah. Um. So. Again, Steve is the is one of the people they talked to, said his addiction started at 15, described little underground hidden websites that make gambling accessible for teenagers. Um, and so and, and he describes it. If I didn't know that he was talking about gambling, I think he was talking about an alcohol addiction because this is the quote in the story he said after relapsing, he's been clean for one month. And plans to work with his sponsor while he's at college. I mean, that is the way that we describe drug or alcohol addiction sure. is needing a sponsor and being clean for a while. Um, it's just not something that I, it's really funny. Like when we talked about legalizing marijuana recreationally in states, that was something we talked about a lot. States, states got into that a lot about are we in making it more accessible to adults? Are we making it more accessible to kids? I don't feel like we had that same conversation when we talked about legalizing gambling. You're right. I don't remember hearing it anywhere near to the same level. Um, in fact, I don't honestly remember hearing about it at all. It was just because, the, I mean, the, um, the the companies that are in charge of it were so eager to tell us how locked down everything was. And I'll give them credit for this. As we mentioned, the you know, Missouri-Kansas border is kind of the line of demarcation for that. And if you walk across the other side of State Line Road from here and go into Missouri, your app won't work. Even if you live in Kansas, right. it will not let you place a bet from there. So they they did their due diligence as far as that's concerned. But, uh, yeah, if, uh, if if my six-year-old grandson had my, you know, my, my app password... He could get in there without me knowing and, and do this. Uh, he doesn't, by the way, have that password or access to my phone. But, but the point remains, uh, that's the one thing that, unfortunately, online you really can't do much of unless it seems like the only way to do it would be to force the facial verification. The, it, it, in other words, you can't sign in with a password. You have to either sign in with a thumbprint or with facial verification so that it knows it's really you using it at that moment. Yeah, I can think of 10 different ways a teenager could pretty easily do this. A yep. lot of teenagers, especially at 15 and 16, have cell phones of their own. So they download the app. And as long as you're in a state where it's legal, so like you said, it's not just going to deny you access when you cross a state line. They download the app. It's not making you prove that you're old enough to gamble in that state. You just have to be in the location where it's legal. And the parents don't know about it. I mean, how, and this might get into a conversation about parents um, being more aware of what their kids are doing on their phones or online. This is where I struggle because I feel like kids are smarter than we are. And kids are, <laughs> and, and I sympathize with parents. Yeah. Because I feel like kids are always going to figure out a way to get to get around it. They're definitely more technically adept or technologically adept than uh, than a lot of us are. But yeah, if, if you've had some experience with this, because honestly, I'm trying to remember now when I signed up for mine, 
what they did as far as age verification. I know it had to be something, but the thing is, I'm well over 21. So I I didn't think about it too much. I put in whatever information they wanted from me and went ahead and did it. If you remember what that system is, how it verifies that you are who you say you are, how it verifies that you're over the age of 21, I just honestly can't remember. So if you know, and is there a better way to do it to make sure that each and every time that app is opened, it's actually being opened by somebody who is of age? So hop on the yeah. When I had ahead, to Tom. sign up for a few that I hopped on, I had to get my ID. I had to take a picture of my ID, my license, and then some require your social security number as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember doing that. I may have, but I don't remember doing the picture of the driver's license thing. Again, it's another thing that I would have gone, oh, okay, whatever. And just, you know, completely out of sight, out of mind. Okay. So if that's true, then, um, are companies that run the sites not looking at that information and like, yes, you have to submit it. But of course, someone who's 16 wouldn't, you know, lie (laughs) and wouldn't submit false information. Are they just not looking at the information you submit? Oh, wow. Um, Maybe. I mean, it seems like if you put in, there's no point in having you do that unless they are. I would assume that the AI would be able to read it. Uh, For example, I mean, when I deposit checks into my bank account, the AI reads the the number on the bottom of the check and and it's able to say whether or not it's a real check right away. So I would assume that it's going to know on a Kansas driver's license where the line is that says your birth date. It's going to be able to read that date. And then if you're under 21, it won't let you in. Do Kansas uh, driver's license have barcodes on them, like the ones in Missouri do? It's not. Uh, let me drag my Because ours do. Out. It's not a barcode. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, there is. There's a barcode okay. on the back, and there's also, I don't know what you call that, that mess, yep. that squiggly mess under there. We have there. that, too. <laughs> kind <laughs> of a Q- QR code-ish it, it looking kinda, thing. Yeah, it looks like that, but it's long and thin. Uh, so it looks like it's read that same kind of way. But, yeah, it does have both on the back. And a lot of you were texting in about the other ways that Kids are finding ways to gamble. I mean, some of you have said lottery machines that they will get access to or um, just gambling machines that they'll find in bars and nobody's watching to see if they're on them. And and let's I mean, let's be honest about this. The technology is only a secondary item to this because uh, I mean, when I was in high school, there was a kid running a sports book in school. Right. We didn't have technology. We didn't have smartphones. That was years and years off. So, uh, you know, even if you take all that stuff away, that's not going to stop them from betting with each other. 913-586-7798. If you have kids, is it something that you have thought about? And again, they are looking, the language they use is the same as any other substance addiction, uh, which is concerning. We'll take a break here. We'll get to more of your comments on this next on KMBZ. ABC News, Good Morning America, did an in-depth look at um, the trend of, as we have more and more states that are legalizing gambling for adults, we have more and more teenagers that are developing gambling problems as a result. And uh, we were just kind of talking through the ways that that can happen. So if you've got some information for us, again, there's some experiences or something else that you've dealt with, with the apps that you think needs to be tightened up here in order to keep kids away from them, then by all means, 913-586-7798. Joe is in Overland Park and up next with us. Hey, Joe. Well, while I was on hold, I heard you guys on your station, you guys had an ad for sports betting uh, and you went into the disclaimer. But let me tell you what this all is, because my family, my family's been in the gaming business. I had an uncle, and he was in the gaming business. He ran seven hotels out in Las Vegas. And I'm my best friend now. He runs a sports book at Westgate, which used to be the international in Las Vegas. 
this is a big money grab. The state of Kansas got with they came in with big big money. They all they knew what was going on. They came in with big money, and you know where a lot of this money that the the state gets from sports gambling. You know where this is going? Where? Well, nobody realizes it, but the state has set up a fund. They have one goal, and that is to collect enough money to go to Clark Hunt and tell him they want to bring the Chiefs out of Kansas City, Missouri, and bring them to the Legends. If you look, you got to look real close at the law. That's what exactly what this is. This is a big money grab. There was a huge money grab up in Topeka. I know people that were involved. The radio stations, there's one radio station here in Kansas City that's making a million dollars a year off this sports betting. I won't tell you who they are, but obviously your stations are also making big money. I mean, the TV stations, the radio stations, the Kansas City Star has a special section for sports gambling. But what it is is a really the real problem is I talked to my friend in Las Vegas. Are the athletes, the sports athletes, the college athletes that are getting their, they're making these bets? It is going to destroy the college football. Well, it's already been destroyed with the NIL, but it's going to destroy this because these kids, they find a way to make money. They love it. It's gambling. They can do it right over their cell phone. They don't have to go. It's not really illegal. They're not going to get caught. I mean, the people that take these bets, they don't care where the money's coming from. It's just another big, huge money grab by the state of Kansas and every other state that has approved this. They started with the with Las Vegas. Then they went to the Indian casinos, and the Indians said, yeah, this is great. We don't have to do any work. We can make millions of dollars by having the Marriott Corporation run these things for us, and we sit back, and we get 40, 30, 40, or whatever percent we get, and we don't have to do a thing. This is just a huge money grab, and you're going to watch the state of Kansas. There was $164 million bet on the Super Bowl in Kansas. Do you know how much the state of Kansas actually got according to the records that I read? No. About $1,500. Uh, no, that, that can't possibly be true. Where did you read these records? Uh, I will prove it to you. I'll call back if you No, no, no. no wait, tell me. You, you said these are records I you read. read. I read this where the state of Kansas. Where, I have read you this. Read it, you read it where? Because, look, here's the deal. Joe, Joe, look, you, Joe, you read it where? I'm trying to remember. I know this for a fact. Okay. They, they Tell me. I'll Google it really fast. Yeah. Tell me the figure that you had again. I'm in front of a computer. I can Google it really fast. $64 million in sports betting on the Super Bowl in the state of Kansas. Look that up. One, Kansas, $164 million. Yes, that's what Super I read. Bowl. When? This, this past year? Because that's, when it, was, that's yeah. when it was legal. Yes, because that was the first time that it was legal in the state of Kansas. Right. I'll let you know when I get there. So far, it's not coming up. They made a lot of money. They made a lot of money, man. These companies come in. Joe, of course they made a lot of money. That's why people go into business. I understand. But if you're talking about another addiction, the state of Kansas, even you, you run these ads. You get paid big money by these sports betting companies to run these ads. So it's and, and what do they say? You bet fifty dollars, and we'll give you three hundred. That's like giving a freaking bottle of free vodka to an alcoholic. Let's get serious. This is what's going on, and it's only. What does that have to do with the original problem, though, of kids and gambling addictions? Let's bring it back to the original story. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you got in. Know any kids that go to Blue Valley? There's drugs all over that school. I'm not going to get into it here on this conversation. Maybe it's for another day, but. The kids, they're into everything. They just found another way to spend the money, 
And this is there's no way it can be stopped. There's, I mean, the kids will figure out a way using their computers to break in. They've been doing it for years to Costa Rica, even before it was legalized. Okay, Joe, Joe, okay, I appreciate the call, but all of that is unverifiable and it sounds like nonsense. So, uh, and it's getting far afield from anything that we're talking about. Uh, uh, but no, there, there is a set amount of money that the state of Kansas makes from sports gambling in general. And if there was $164 million and they only got $1,500, they wouldn't do it. John, I just sent you the link. Of course um, it wasn't. So the, the figure that I found from an actual reputable source, Channel 9, said on Super Bowl Sunday, nearly $25 million worth of bets were placed at casinos in Kansas. Mm-hmm. I saw another figure that said... $125 million in bets were made, like, overall. That's still lower than $164 million. That doesn't, the state doesn't keep all of that. No. That's not all money the state gets. But they're, they're going to get a whole lot more than $1,500 out of it, too. Right. Uh, and as far as, the, you know, the money going to bring the Chiefs to Kansas City, uh, to, to, the, uh, to the Kansas side of the aisle, I, I would love to see some documentation on that, too. I don't think any of that's true. Uh, just because you read something on the Internet doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Let me address the ad running during the commercial break thing for just a second, because mm-hmm. a lot of you are asking about it on the text line. Yeah, we have an entire department in Odyssey and in our building called the traffic department that decides when ads run based on when advertisers ask them to run. Oh, do they think we ran that on purpose because we were yes. talking about <laughs> bad taste is what it's being called. Let me just clarify for a second. John and I don't work for that department. Nothing Neither does do. Colin. No, I don't either. I just push the button and let it run. Uh-huh. We, we can't just move ads around based on what we're talking about either, by the way. We no. would get in a ton of trouble if we did that. Right, right. So, so it wasn't us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, not everybody who gambles is going to be a problem gambler. We know that. Uh, you know, the, most of the people who are won't. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not a problem, and that doesn't have to be dealt with. It does. Uh, and what I what I remember from the casino gambling in the, in the Missouri side and the gambling numbers on the Illinois side when I lived over in St. Louis was that uh, a portion of everything, not from the state's part of it, but from the casino's part of it, they have to donate to a rehab program for gamblers. I don't remember what the percentage is, but it's there. Uh, and, and that was by law. They, they set that up. Uh, that's where the, the 1-800-BETS-OFF number came from and all of that, is that they have to, that's why it's in all of their commercials, they have to give you a way to deal with gambling addiction and they have to say it out loud whenever they're advertising to you. So... You know, the, the the gambling addiction, if you're against gambling, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that, you know, taking a position on that and saying, I don't like gambling. Fine. There are all kinds of problems that go along with it. And yes, there are people who have that compulsion. But we don't need to go making up things and, and make it you know, make the situation look worse than it is. If you would like to get further into this, feel free. 913-586-7798. We'll get to a commercial break. We don't know what's in it. Can't move anything around. Don't blame us. Uh, Still to come this hour. uh, Luckily, it was not an American who did this, but it was still really awful. What happened to uh, this historic fountain in Florence that we'll get to coming up next here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So it was a German tourist, not an American one this time. Thank you. Um, A 22-year-old German man taking a selfie who damaged a statue that goes back to the 16th century. Putz. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, yeah, this guy climbed up a fountain, and, and it's one of these, uh, it, it, you know, like you said, it was a 16th century fountain. It's very ornate. It has a statue of, on the on the top of it. It's in Florence. So, I mean, if you've ever been to Florence, you know, there's, you know, the, these kinds of, uh, of you know, fountains and statues and things everywhere. Uh, but this thing's been there for 500 years. So this guy decided he was going to climb up on it. Now, on the bottom of the statue, beneath this uh is it is it poseidon that it was a statue of uh it um, seems to me that i remember it being neptune? that neptune okay you know, yeah greek versus roman um <laughs> yeah that would make sense so the statue of neptune has underneath it uh a chariot with a horse you know pulling the chariot and that's what he broke while he was climbing up the statue to take a selfie of himself next to neptune um he broke one of the feet off the horse and why? I mean, I, as I said this morning, you remember when people used to just go look at things and that or was just, enough? Or just take pictures of them sure. from behind whatever barriers were there of the actual thing. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, okay, well, why didn't they have something up? Well, they did. Uh, they had this system of sensors, and they still do, this system of sensors and things like that that are supposed to alert the authorities if anybody goes beyond the barrier and starts climbing on the fountain because you're not supposed to do that. They said that because he he got in behind a set of lights that are set to that are designed to just light up the statue from beneath, that the sensors may have been distorted a little bit because he was standing right behind the lights, so it didn't notice him. I guess it looks for warmth, and because the lights are already there, you know, he was able to get by that way, and nobody knew until the damage was already done. Um, yeah, they put the statement, lengthy statement came out from uh, the city and police officers who witnessed it on surveillance video. They detailed every part of this. Um, had some photos taken by his friends after he got up there. During the descent, he placed his foot again on the hoof and that damaged it. And as soon as the alarm went off, he'd already managed to escape with the two others. Wow, there are pictures here of how bad this was damaged. Because um, it shows them trying to... Um, put it together oh neptune's hand was broken in a similar incident several years ago great they haven't found him they don't know exactly who it is he will be charged under a city code that bans this kind of thing um destruction of cultural assets uh, if convicted he could be fined and banned from entering the city Good. How does one enforce keeping a person out of the city of florence i guess you have to catch him in the city and then you find him again yeah um, so again, I don't, I, it, this is becoming more of a thing lately. I mean, ever since the Coliseum that we talked about, this now is becoming more of a thing. Are, can, I, can I ask a silly question here? And not that yeah. this gives this guy any cover at all, but are people just not familiar with how fragile marble is? I, I think you're giving people too much credit for knowing what these statues are made of. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I can see that as well. Yeah, marble is not, I mean, the reason why you can carve it in the first place is because it's relatively soft. So, yeah, I mean, climbing on that, this is a. This is not a huge guy. I mean, he's, he's a skinny 22-year-old, 
But it doesn't make any difference. You don't have to weigh much in order to do a lot of damage to something like that. And unfortunately, yeah, I mean, they may be able to do some kind of repair work on it. It's never going to be the same as it was. Right. Um, And again, at some point, what you're going to have happen is um, attractions are going to proactively put up higher fencing. Yeah. And and what they're going to do is they're going to make it more difficult for those of us that just want to see the thing, just see the thing. Which is which is going to make it harder to see and harder to appreciate because it's going to have all kinds of fencing and things all the way around it. It's it's not going to look as good. Right. And so it's going to punish the rest of us in terms of uh, and the other thing that will happen, too, is that the things that you actually can climb on and like the color scheme, you can walk around. I mean, you can you can get in the middle of it and, and walk around it because I've done it. Yep. You're no longer going to be able to do that. We are no longer going to be trusted to engage with these historic sites anymore. Yeah, right. Because how many people have we already had carving their names or their initials into the Coliseum this year? There's at right. least two that I know over the over the last couple of months. Right. Okay, so as long as we're talking about Italy, we'll stay there. Um, Venice has been, the city of Venice has been talking about this for a long time, um, about the over-tourism in that city. Um, they've had a couple of different problems in terms of weather, and it's kind of gone in opposite extremes. They had, for a while, for a while they had the problem of um, the canals, that was what I was looking for, getting too dry. There yeah. wasn't enough rain, and those were getting too dry. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in addition to that now, you have too many people that are just checking out that city and they don't have the, they don't have the infrastructure to support it. So uh, they have approved new guidelines to test out a fee for day trippers on peak visitor weekends. <laughs> How do you similar, keep tourists out? Charge them money. Absolutely. And it's similar to what other big attractions have done in terms of making you get a permit to visit. You have to know ahead of time. In fact, there are a couple of national parks in the U.S. that have done this, like Antelope Canyon famously is one. That's the one that's um, got all the waves that you see on Instagram all the time. It is so popular that now you have to get a permit and sign up ahead of time and register to go see it. That's a problem if you didn't know that before you make your plans to go get it. Same thing like at Machu Picchu. You have to get a permit ahead of time and there are a limited number available. That's what they're going to do here. I I really wonder about that sometimes because I've not been to Venice. Have you? Have you done Venice yet? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Twenty thing, years ago. The thing that I didn't know is that you know we have these images in our mind. I think of the you know the gondoliers and all of that going under the bridges and and it's very idyllic. And then you see some of the video of what those mm-hmm. canals really look like, and it's a bunch of power boats. I mean, yeah, the guys in the gondolas are still there for the tourists. But those canals are just clogged with power boaters and things like that, with people, you know, getting from one place to another, using them for a commute. And and, and there are places like that where when I start to hear about them getting overcrowded, it makes me it makes me not want to go. I guess that's the the aim mm-hmm. that they're trying to achieve. But it doesn't make me not want to go because I don't want to see it because it's gross and over, you know, overpopulated. I just don't want to contribute to the problem. Yeah, it's really funny that you say that. Um, if if you've been more recently than I have, th- my first big um, trip in college was to go to Europe, my senior year of college. Uh-huh. And it was, and I was starstruck about the idea of going to Europe. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> sure. such a big deal to me. Yeah. And Venice was one of the cities that I went to. And I had, and, and again, this was in my, so the year 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite a while ago, but it was as magical as I imagined. 
And that's what I remember about it is. And so maybe it's just become more overrun with tourists. And people talk about with the um, the water level in those canals going down, they're getting dirtier and there's more trash in them. Yeah. And it's just not as pretty as it used to be. But I have so many amazing pictures and great memories of like the Piazza de San Marco and all these bridges. And the only thing that I've ever seen that compares to that is Amsterdam that has the canals and the bridges and, and all of that. And for some reason, people are just flocking to Venice lately. Yeah. Well, and, and with Venice, I guess the, the big difference is that the water goes right up to the buildings in a lot of places where there's right. no, like in, in the canals in Amsterdam, there's sidewalk next to the canals. There's seawall right. that goes all the way along the inside of them. Yep. Um, and what's happening is as that water level drops, like you said, the water gets dirtier and dirtier. And with all those power boats in there, you get oil slicks on the top of it that then stain the sides of the buildings as the water level drops. Yeah. So it's just, it's causing a problem uh, that, that is just getting worse and worse and worse over time. They've got to do something, and it just, you know, maybe it, it starts with just spreading the word that it's not like you imagine it, and and it's not going to be until we can do something about getting a hold on this. Yeah, I mean, what do you do when you just have too many people coming to a place that's popular? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tough. Yeah, it's popular for a reason. Um, and, and it's, Venice is like one of those, I don't know if it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, I think it is. Google lists of places that you should go in your lifetime, and it shows up on a lot of those lists sure. for a reason. How do you how do you get people to go somewhere else instead? And I don't know if that's like a bigger conversation to be having with travel agents or at like some of the big conferences. If it's a, it's something you communicate to media and say, hey, New York Times. Leave us off of that list of 52 places we should visit that you do this year. Like they do that list every year. Yeah. I don't know what that gets to, but I, I think a fee of it amounts to like $10 US. I don't know if that's going to do it. I think you pay so much money when you do a big trip like that, that 10 bucks isn't going to keep you away. We'll see. And I, I also, I mean, another thing that's kept me away from doing that kind of travel is honestly an older mindset of thinking, okay, sure, you can go to Venice if you want, but rich people do that because it's incredibly expensive. And the fact is, it isn't anymore. No. I mean, it's nowhere near. If you do it dollar for dollar, you know, in, in 2023 dollars versus $1980 dollars, the amount that it costs to travel worldwide is incredibly cheap comparatively. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what you do about it. Uh, I, I understand issuing the permits just to control crowds on on each day. Like I get that. I get that in a national park. I get that in a place like Machu Picchu because those steps are going to wear out after a while. And at some point, you're not going to be able to access it anymore. To my knowledge, Venice is not falling apart. I mean, it's old, but it's, it's not falling apart the way that some of these other places are in danger of doing. Yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I, I hope they get a handle on it because it really is something special. Uh, yeah. Even never having been there, seeing the, the photographs and the movies and the things like that from, from years ago, it's just, it's something that uh, you would love to see return to its former glory. Then we go to Miami. Um, in a string of what I feel like lately are several cases like this. Uh, we don't know if this guy went overboard, but we know a Carnival cruise ship passenger has disappeared, vanished, and they haven't found him for two days. It was after this ship docked, this Carnival ship docked in Miami. Um, he was reported missing by a family member, had last been seen in his cabin, according to his cabin mate, at about 7 a.m., um, and has been missing for two days now. 
No clue. No, and uh, yeah, he's 26 years old. You know, he's a young guy. And if you've never been on a cruise before, when every time you get on or off the boat, you have to check in or out. Right. And and that's the thing that kind of stunned me about this because usually the last day or so of the cruise, if you're going to cruise in the Bahamas or whatever, is the trip home. So you go to your last island, and then they say, "Okay, everybody back in the boat." And for the, about that last day, you just cruise back into Miami. And they didn't know until everybody was getting off the boat and they did the count and went, whoa, we're one short. There was no, I mean, there are alarms for, for people who fall off or jump mm-hmm. off. Uh, and there was, there was no alert. Nothing happened. All they knew is all of a sudden they're one guy short. So there's really only two possibilities. He, well, three, he stayed wherever the last port was and never got back on. But they should have known that when people mm-hmm. got back on the boat and checked back in. Uh, or he fell off, or he's still somewhere on the boat. Yeah, they said they did an extensive search of the boat. They didn't find him on board. Um, you're right. My limited experience with cruises is that every time you, I don't know if they do it when you get on and off the ship, but one or the other, you have to scan whatever that ID is that, that gets you around the ship. You have For that very reason, so that they know, and, and they have that count automatically, that manifest all the time. My only thought is like, did an alarm that was supposed to go off when somebody goes overboard malfunction? Did did something that should have alerted us when it, when somebody goes over the side yeah. not work? Maybe because they were in port. You know, maybe it happened after they docked. Oh wow, that's uh, yeah. I, I don't know if those things go off when you're in port. That boy, that would. I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah. Uh, but but then again, I mean, if if you're already docked, you're not going to think, well, gee, somebody might jump off the boat now. So right. yeah, do those things necessarily just um just by design shut themselves off when you're getting ready to go into port? Yeah. So um, two days they've been looking for him. They say he may be in need of services. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. No, no kidding. He's been well, 48 hours. If If you've been missing for that long, chances are you're in need of some kind of services. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll take a break here. Before we end the hour, we'll talk about this guy who got kicked out of the U.S. Open because of what he yelled at a German player. (laughs) It's as bad as you think it is. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. All right, let's talk about the U.S. Open. And the reason that a guy got kicked out of it. I wish they had his name attached to this. Not the guy who got kicked out, but the German tennis player. Uh, Because I don't know tennis anywhere near enough to tell you who the German tennis players are. Mm -mm. But there's video of this that somebody caught on TikTok. Now, what you're about to hear is the tennis player explaining to the referee what just happened. And then you'll hear what the referee did about it, which I think is fantastic. But the setup to this is that you had a heckler out in the audience who was yelling at the German tennis player. And at one point, to taunt him because he's German, he said he yelled out, Heil Hitler. And this is the exchange. It's a little hard to hear what the tennis player is saying, but we can translate some of this for you in just a minute. And at that point, they did get him out. So if, if you couldn't hear that, what the German player said was, he just said the most famous Hitler phrase in history. 
at which point the the ref says to him, who said that? And he points at the guy, and you can see the other people in the audience kind of pointing at him, too, as he's just sitting there with his arms folded because he's getting called out. And then the referee says to him, yeah, we're going to get him out. And then they kick the guy out of the U.S. Open. But come on, man. Um, yeah, I assume you're doing it because of the audience that you know that you have. Yeah. I, I, I do not understand that. I don't... Um, why is this reminding me? Was it also the U.S. Open where you had the reporter that asked the player from Morocco the question about oh uh, being gay or left? Was it was it also the U.S. Open? Uh, no, that was soccer. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was was that a, uh, was sort of a, a female soccer player that was asked it, that, or was it, it was, was it tennis as well? I'm connecting puppies and rainbows, maybe. But oh, okay, it, it yeah. just, I feel like we keep having, having incidents like this at major sporting events where we're talking about things that were said. Yeah, and I mean, whether it's coming from a reporter in the form of a just a totally inappropriate question uh, or whether it's coming from the audience members. I mean, look, yeah, we, you know, we when in the in the heat of the moment, when you're in the audience, yeah, you're taunting the other guys. And when they introduce the other team, I mean, you'll see it at Arrowhead to, uh, tomorrow night. When the Lions players come out, they'll get booed because that's what you do. And, I mean, you can yell at some guy, oh, you know, you, you're, you're, you're terrible and you shouldn't even be out there. But, I mean, to go that next step and go to a yeah. German guy and yell, Heil Hitler, wh- what is wrong with you? What, what gets into your brain that thinks, oh, this is appropriate to bring into sports? Why can't you just boo? <laughs> what happened to that? Uh-huh. Just booing in the stands. Yeah, is that not good enough anymore? And and what the German tennis player there said about this being totally unacceptable and unbelievable is right. Um, and of and again, the, just the body language on that guy, on the one who yelled it when he's sitting there in the seat with his feet out in front of him and he's got his arms folded, and and he just he looks like a scolded four year old. And given the fact that he acted like a four-year-old and the fact that he was about to get tossed out of this event that he probably paid a pretty good amount of cash to get into, good. He should he should feel like a scolded four-year-old. And it's like, do they does he think they'll oh they'll never figure out it's me? And they'll, there's no way they'll they'll toss me out for it. Yeah. Yeah, they're better at that than you think. Uh yeah. Uh, oh, oh, is that who it was? Okay, Colin said it's Alexander Zverev. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It was the name of the of the player who was being yelled at there. And it's just if there's no place for any of that, and it's got to take that guy out of the game, which, of course, is his aim anyway, is to get in his head and get him thinking about something other than tennis. Right. But that's not your job. That's that's his opponent's job is to take him out of the game. Yeah, um, just awful. So, again, I don't know why we keep seeing that happen, but nonetheless, um, then we go to the story real quick out of the UK. um, And I just laugh every time this happens. If you are going to steal a car understand <laughs> how to drive a manual transmission yep this guy didn't no it, it happened again yeah it was an attempted carjacking and the guy got in the car and just looked at it and was like whoa what am i supposed to do with this now <laughs> what is this thing? uh it's in the ballston area on monday and uh, about 5 45 in the afternoon uh, in a harris teeter parking lot 
three men carjacked a victim driving a Kia Soul, but didn't get as far as they as they wanted to because, sure enough, couldn't drive a stick. Fairfax County Police helicopter was called in to search for them because they they just got out. They just ran. Yeah. They figured, okay, we can't drive the car, so they took off. And sure enough, according to the Arlington uh, County Police crime report, they did catch them. Uh, three guys described as white or Hispanic males, approximately 18 to 26 years old, wearing all black clothing. I'm telling you, the manual transmission is the best anti-theft device in history. Is this story out of the U.S.? Or no, it is out of Virginia. For some reason, I thought this was out of the U.K. Uh, yeah, um, it was, but no, it's out of Virginia. But uh, yeah, Arlington, Virginia. But yeah, either way, I mean, the same is true. We just, th- there are so few cars even available anymore. There's a couple of them out there that you can still get with a manual transmission. And if you get one, chances are nobody's going to be able to steal it from you. So it's got that going for it. We don't have time for this conversation, but I don't think we teach kids to drive the manual transmission as much <laughs> as when I was a kid. Yeah. And my dad wouldn't let me get my license without knowing how to do it. And and I've rarely had to since then, but it's good to know how. Yeah. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Teach your kids, but tell them not to teach any of their friends. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We'll take a break here. Um, coming up in the next hour. Uh, Different answer to needing to stay caffeinated, especially if you're up in the middle of the night. We'll get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.